you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the White? Darth Plagueis is a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he can use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars, Star Wars books, Star Wars movies, Star Wars comics, Star Wars movies, and specifically as of late, because this is all we're being given and I'm not complaining, Star Wars TV, this is the age of the rebellion when it comes to Star Wars TV, and I am fucking here for it. On top of that, I am your host. Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me is Lindsay, the Lady of Lore. Lindsay, how are you doing? How's life? How's everything? I'm doing great. Life's actually really, really good, uh, as long as it stays good for the next 45 days or so. Um, I don't think I I had the chance to tell you this because it all happened very quickly, um, but after some some insane bidding wars and stories, I did have an offer accepted on a new house. Um, so as long as you know the sale of my current place goes well and and the sale of this new home goes goes well, I'm gonna be uh, moving end of June, which is extra kind of sweet. It's not even so much bittersweet for me. It's more sweet because the reason why I decided not to go to celebration uh, was because I was worried about the timing of getting a new house and having to move. And I was so worried. I was like, oh, man, with the way things are going, I'm probably not going to have a house until like July or August. And I could have gone to celebration. <laughs> but with just uh, uh, the you know money that goes into this and everything, it, the timing all worked out. The force was with me. Well, yeah. I mean, like we're planning on buying lightsabers, correct? Like, exactly. We're just going to buy exactly. stuff. Like I thought that was an agreement that we were having. That's just it. Yeah. So now uh, all all funds are in place for, for where they should be, and I'll have a beautiful home with a beautiful Star Wars room. And it was it was one of those things where, you know, you, you put offers on, on these different houses and the first couple times, and you, you get your hopes up so much, you know. And each house that you see, you think, oh, my God, this is, you know, this is it. I'm never going to find anything like it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but luckily we kind of landed and we got, what is I think the, the absolute perfect home for us? Um, so so that all worked out really really well. But even someone actually outbid us, and we bid well over asking price. We were still outbid, and then uh, we we wrote one of those you know letters about why we love the house, why that house is going to be important to us, and they actually still continued and uh, accepted our lower offer. Huh. So truly away with words. Words still mean things. They do. That's, that's they do. Nice. They get people here and there, yeah. So are you moving outside of the city, In still in the city? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be more in the suburbs now. 
The burbs, hell yeah. The burbs, yeah. You've made it. You've officially made it, especially in like the New York area. You have like become king supreme. I have, yeah. Yeah, haven't I? Yeah, I've absolutely. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean like I've been Honestly, I've been doing really really good for a while now and then yesterday I just like had a mental like output output break. It like wasn't like a bad thing. It was just like mentally I was just like uh and then I woke up today. I think it was some of the CBD that I take at night before bed. I must have gotten some really good sleep because I woke up really excited um and I felt recharged and you know so it's it's been crazy, you know, me and you this is a Star Wars podcast, but we're both being thrown into um, pretty important job positions, and the pressure can sometimes really be on. And then outside of that, there's life, there's Star Wars, there's a lot of other things that are going on, and it's um, it's wild. It's like kind of a weird thrill to like be so drained, and like especially yesterday, I was like, oh my god, I can't talk to anyone else. And then to be like completely alive the next day, like it's a it's a good feeling, but it's it's me and you've been uh, been doing boss shit. We really have, yeah. Kudos to us. You really <laughs> are real. the lady and the lord. We really for real. Like we're trying to we're trying to conquer this galaxy. Um, <laughs> but you know, I today you know we had kind of talked about revisiting episode nine. Well, there was a lot of news things that have broken in star wars and so we're gonna save that for a later date i'm super excited to actually check it out um to revisit episode nine it's on my list of things to do but there was to me there was just too many too many exciting factors and we're going to be getting into a lot of these um updated announcements that have been happening like the kevin feige star wars movie we're going to discuss a little bit about john watts and his role and kind of explain how this even occurred and some of the back history because i i kind of really know that we got some acolyte news we have movie news we're starting to get the um the celebration pre-hype where things are being confirmed enough to where we can talk about them and enjoy them, but we still have no idea. So celebration is still going to be really special. I know that we had talked with Brandon and Drew and they planned on doing like a kind of, you know, from their aspect being that they're all going to be over there except for me and Lindsay, but we're going to be back home talking Obi-Wan and doing that. So it's totally fine, but we're going to be getting their like kind of on the boots uh, reactions to stuff. And obviously me and Lindsay plan on talking about celebration at a later date, but um, we're starting to work. Sith talks catching the, the before before. So you can really technically call this the pre-celebration hype. So you're going to be able to listen to this episode and um, kind of ramp up. So I encourage you, whether you agree with our opinions or agree with our thoughts, again, or even just read the news and kind of see what we're seeing, again, this is the pre-celebration hype. So if you disagree, that's fine. Just be hyped because fucking celebration is here, baby. We are so close. By the time this episode comes out, we are days away from Obi-Wan, oh my God, from finding right. out Kevin Feige's ideas of films, Taika Waititi's, uh, you know, all the onslaught of announcements, not to mention the behind the scenes stuff of stuff that people from Celebration are going to see. We're going to see. We're going to look at all of it. So this is kind of the uh, 
water cooler episode where we all get to drink the Kool-Aid and um, find out that there's way too much sugar in it and that maybe we should move (laughs) to a zero-calorie Gatorade and keep our expectations low. But that's not this episode. This episode, we're going to go crazy. Before we do that, um, I don't know if you've started Brotherhood at all. Oh, I have. Okay, so let me look up my Audible because I'm so professional and I have everything prepared. I have about seven hours and 56 minutes left of Brotherhood, so quite a bit away. But I will tell you that pairing Brotherhood with Obi-Wan is perfect because... Isn't it? Yes. So far in this, and so far in this novel, I want your thoughts, but I just have to say... This is the best that Anakin Skywalker has ever been written so far. Like, mentally, everything. Like, I understand this man so much already. And I'm not even, like, I think I'm either just behind or a little above halfway. What do you feel about Brotherhood right now? I love it. Are you done with it? uh, I'm close. I'm definitely closer than seven hours. Um, but, But, yeah, to your point, like, easily the best he's ever been written. It's just that there that's not a very tall order. You know, it's, it's kind of like being the tallest midget. Cause it's not like he really gets written often, certainly not in this time period. Um, so, so I don't know if that's making it like more resonating and, and more impactful just because there's less to compare it to, uh, but not to take away because it's, it's a great book. Mike Chen is a fantastic, fantastic author, just really blowing me away. But, but yeah, like, I was surprised at the release date, to be honest. I thought that they might want to save it for celebration. I know in, um, oh, fuck, what was Claudia it? I think Gray, it was in, in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was Chicago, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, that came out, you know, right at celebration. So, it was a big thing where people were waiting in line while reading Master and Apprentice, and people were talking about it. While while waiting, uh, you know, different uh, signature booths and photo photo ops, and and just being able to have Claudia Gray there on release day to sign different books, you know, I have my signed copy from her from the day it was released while I was at Celebration, and it was so exciting. So I was actually pretty alarmed at first that they didn't wait for Celebration, to the point where I sit there and me being the cynic that I am was like, oh man, does this mean like it's it's not going to be good or they're trying to like send a message that they don't want this hype at celebration but yeah to your (laughs) i think i think you're totally totally right where it's it's a pregame for kenobi where we can understand this you know this brotherhood um but understand kind of where they are mentally and and why this story is going to be so 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 important yeah, and I believe, based on what I'm looking up, this is his first introduction into Star Wars novels. Mike Chen? Yes. Yeah. And what I really like about it is, I think some of my favorite movies, books, comics, is when we really get into people's heads and understand how they're thinking in the moment of every situation. And this this book takes place, no spoilers, but this book takes place right as Anakin becomes knighted and they address so many things that I've been thinking of. There is, um, you know, conflict, like a, uh, a clear shade with Mace Windu. Like whenever he shows up in this book and I'm only halfway, 
you can feel his glare against Anakin in the book. In, like, you in just feel the audiobook, because I know Star Wars, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm no expert on audiobooks whatsoever. Oh, I am. I know you are. Um, but that's why my, my thought is kind of like, do they, from, from the Star Wars audiobooks that I have listened to, they've always done, like, you know, music in the background and stuff like that. Do they, when Mace is there, do anything different, like, in terms of the music or, you know, the, the voice or anything anything unique because of it? No, it's just, uh, who is the, who's the, I think it's John, um, who is the voice actor of it? Um, Jonathan Davis. He does okay. a lot of it. It's like him or Mark Thompson that do. Mark the, Thompson, I know, yeah. Yes, but Jonathan Davis has like kind of a weight to his voice. Mark Thompson really leans into the voices and he has such a, um, they, they both do a great job in just a different way. And I appreciate Jonathan Davis's in this because he kind of raps to the emotion of feeling the glare without, like just in the way that he reads these words, you can feel the disdain of Mace Windu against Anakin. And there's a lot of moments in this book already that have so much depth in them. And some of them clearly spell out the depth and some of them kind of imply that weight, especially, you know, and this is not a book where you have to read or watch every single thing, but there is, they touch on some Obi-Wan and Satine and maybe that complicated mm -hmm. background. They touch on, um, you know, Anakin and Padme's relationship doubling down on um, the Padme book that just came out. And Mike Chen actually worked with E.K. Johnson to like kind of really blend those things together and it's very adamant. But if you haven't checked out this book, the thing to hype you on is you can understand Anakin's emotions, why he feels the way he feels, which gratifies how I've always talked about him in this show for years now. Like I, I feel like gratified, but also I don't even care about being gratified about being right. I'm just very happy that we're getting there and there's like some Palpatine manipulation that's not so like upfront, but because you know it, you know that he's being manipulated and you can see these layers starting to happen. I mean, you, you kind of like, it's implied that they've been happening, but the way he writes Palpatine and Anakin's relationship in this is so perfect. I just, I, I just don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but it's, it's just such an incredibly impressive book for so many reasons. Um, so definitely one, if you're listening to this and you haven't picked it up just yet, uh, prioritize this one. Yeah, it's definitely the one to check out. And I will close by saying this book is very much about relationships in general, and it's written very well about said relationships. So any final thoughts so far about Brotherhood? Are you good to go? Um, no, just I'm, I'm going to be interested in real final thoughts uh, once we're both kind of wrapped up with it and, and once Kenobi starts and we can appreciate things a little bit more. Awesome. So in some of the bit of like TV movie news, you know, we're kind of gearing up to Obi-Wan. There's been so much promotional stuff about Obi-Wan in the best way possible. And 
they haven't been really showing much. They came out with that like kind of um, official trailer, which seems like the final trailer. And to me, they didn't give anything away. They added a couple extra lines, and I'm totally okay with yeah. that. I don't. I didn't need anything. Yeah, I didn't learn anything new from this trailer whatsoever, but it hyped me up. Absolutely. How do you, how do you feel about like what they've been doing like with the marketing, specifically like with the Vanity Fair, the IGN, like the interviews with Hayden Christensen? Um, shit, I am forgetting the actress the actress who's playing Reva and Ewan yeah. McGregor. How do you feel about that? Have you watched um, any of it? Yeah, to me, to be honest, it is oddly reminiscent in a way we did not get with Mandalorian and, and certainly not Book of Boba Fett. Um, but it is incredibly reminiscent to me of how they market for any new movies. It's the typical steps. You know, here's the here's the teaser trailer. Here's the hype up to the new trailer. Here are the Vanity Fair articles. Here's the here's the video. It's you know, it's it's following all of the same patterns and benchmarks of a major movie for Lucasfilm, which is exciting for me. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because that is pretty much the idea that I got. I spent a lot of time before this episode, um, just kind of watching videos and the Vanity Fair, there's an eight minute video of Vanity Fair where they interview Ewan McGregor, I need to pull up the actress of Reva. Oh my gosh. Why do I not know that? But Hayden Christensen and the actress that plays Reva and Ewan McGregor, they do like kind of a questionnaire and they discuss they discuss um, a bunch of different Star Wars questions. And I was kind of like I was struck by it because hearing Hayden talk about Star Wars I mean, like, there's promotional stuff, there's celebration stuff. But you can tell just by the way, like, when an actor does, like, we've been on many said Marvel movies or DC movies. We know when an actor is selling something. Why wouldn't they? They get paid to do it. Do you feel like, do you feel like Hayden Christensen is, like, legitimately excited to be here? Because I get the vibe that that man just, there is something in this show that really resonated with him because every time he's talking about Star Wars now, his eyes are like, they, they like turn into magic. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had to guess, I think kind of Dave Filoni got into him to be honest, you know? And, and what I mean by that is we talked about this briefly, uh, I believe two episodes ago, but, you know, Hayden watching Clone Wars for the first time mm -hmm. to really prep for this. And we both kind of agreed, like, look, he's not the kind of guy who after being in these movies, just because these shows came out after, he's going to go and, and dig into these movies and whatnot. Um, so for me, I, I get the impression that this is all very genuine and he does mean it. And the difference we could be more cynical and just say, yeah, you know, he kind of went a long time without working on anything major. He probably just is excited to work and get this, get this rolling, get this job again. I though think it's, he was able to see the content Dave Filoni put out, able to see the, the care that went into it, why Clone Wars is important. He, because of Inquisitors, who knows, maybe he watched Rebels too. Maybe he has this, this new understanding of why these stories are so, so important to so many people. And maybe he's finally feeling it himself. 
Yeah, and I think it's it's not it's it's that. By the way, I the actress portraying Reva is Moses Ingram. Moses, I, right? I, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and we'll get more about her later later because she she made some comments that I think we should absolutely talk about. Um, I think it's recognition. I think this is the right time, and I've been saying it for years. But given the material, I think he's really doubled down on it. I think Hayden is now finally enjoying the fruits of his labor and and understanding that there is a whole generation that really appreciates him. And I think he's actually like it goes back to what we said about the Clone Wars. He's done his homework about this job. Like he knows Anakin Skywalker and just hearing him talk because it's been so long since I've seen him talk in like a edited promotional video like i don't i don't think i actually ever watched any of the revenge of the sith like promotional stuff because you know we had broadband aol and the only thing i watched was the revenge of the sith trailer when it would load and it took like five minutes he sounds more like clone wars anakin now though with his older age doesn't he you know he does that's such a good point and and i can tell you i had just the absolute biggest 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 crush on Hayden um, during my preteen and early teen years to the point where it was like, you know, the typical high school girl wall where it was like ripped up photos from him in, in every single magazine I could get my hand on, hands on. And um, kind of my room was like the shrine to Hayden. So I can tell you as someone who absolutely devoured for years and years and years, every interview he was in and use them to plan my, my upcoming wedding to Hayden Christensen when I was younger. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he sounds definitely kind of more, more gravelly, more, a little bit more of a cadence to him. Uh, so that's, that's a really interesting point that didn't even strike me at first, but you're, you're spot on. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Hayden Christensen in revenge of the Sith. There's the scene where he wakes up out of bed after his nightmare and he just like kind of puts his hands over his head. And I'm like, that was like probably the first time as a kid that I was like, that dude is fucking jacked. How do you get to be like yeah. that? Because yeah. he, he he really stepped it up. Um, and when it comes to Ewan McGregor, you know, honestly, we get a lot of the... He he says a lot of the same stuff, you know, like, I was excited to be Obi-Wan. I My job was to always, like, kind of blend into Alec Guinness. But the way he portrays it is so honest in a way that you really kind of buy into it. And it's, it's super fascinating. But what I really liked about, uh, Moses Ingram, she was kind of blunt. she said, you know, I knew star Wars about pop culture. Like I knew it from pop culture. And upon doing the show, I understood what it meant to be a part of star Wars. And she opened up about her character and said that she was excited to finally, she she got to invent a role herself and to stand on her own two feet and the confidence of just having the costumes and the sound stage and all of those things really helped her create a character of her own and the reason why like i i even want to talk about that a little bit is because i think a lot of times with when it comes to marketing there are certain people who are marvel fans dc fans star wars fans I love that she doubled down on saying that like she wasn't a Star Wars fan. And I think that's important. I think it's important sometimes for someone to be passionate about something, but also to be outside of it so that they can make it their own. When we talk about Rogue One, you know, some of the most arguable, um, the Disney's arguably best 
Star Wars movie. I mean, when it comes to like production, story, screen, that's all opinion, but a lot of people really feel that way. Tony Gilroy, the writer of it, the guy who like came in to fix a lot of that, he didn't give a shit about Star Wars, and yet he made something super great. So I, I'm I get even more excited, which is the opposite of what like you normally hear. Like I want a Dave Filoni, a John Favreau to feel that way. But the fact that she's so outside of it and making it her own makes it um, a lot of it, it makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, it it was reminiscent of. Um, I feel like I've used that word a lot lately. Reminiscent. That's okay. Um, but it, it reminded me a lot of when Daisy Ridley actually came on board. And she, she I remember being the one to be like, yeah, you know, I, I maybe watched it as a kid, but we didn't really, like, we weren't that Star Wars family. I, I never really got into it. But now getting to meet the fans and, and understanding the connection that Ray can have. Um, and I think that's, that's so genuine. And honestly, I would rather have someone who really does say, like, yeah, look, I, I didn't really know what this was about, but now that I'm more involved, I understand and have that kind of connection as opposed to some people who do the typical like, oh, you know, I love Star Wars. I played with the toys as kids. And like, that might be true, but but having those childhood memories is, is nice, but it doesn't mean I get this connection and I get why these stories are important. Yeah, and I, I think that's definitely, I think there's a give and take on both sides. So I will say, and I think you agree, that this Obi-Wan um, marketing really has, I hate to compare it again to Logan, but it, it just feels special. It feels like Infinity War without actually being that kind of a budget, but it feels mm. like it has that special marketing vibe. And before we move on to the next topic, I want to give a shout out to Ewan McGregor because during these promotions, when he talks about his work on the prequels, he shows so much love for Ahmed Best. Every time he gets a turn to talk about his time with the prequels, he gives him such a good shout out and credit. And I feel like these actors, especially Hayden and Ahmed Best, have been run through the ringer. And Ewan McGregor is really kind of like always thrived. He's kind of in escaped that, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of always did. I mean, right, rightfully so. Absolutely. He, no, yeah, he absolutely deserves no negative negativity for any of his roles, but especially Obi-Wan. And I'm not exactly saying that I want to see Jar Jar Binks come back, but in his closing, the last words he says in the Vanity Fair you know, interview is I'd love to work with everyone again. Um, specifically, you know, uh, Ahmed best. That's how he closes it. And I think it's so great to give, you know, even a shout out because everybody's paying attention to this material right now. And a lot of people forget the beating that Ahmed best has taken. And we've talked about it a lot, but I just think it's, it was so nice to hear Ahmed best getting the credit because a lot of people forget before there was Andy circus, Ahmed Best really was the first like mocap actor yeah. to be doing things. Hundred percent. Never no, got the credit on, for man. it. So, yeah. No, you were spot just, on. So, guys, look, we're all excited about Obi Wan. We cannot wait to talk about Obi Wan. We will be um, on the Discord chat talking about Obi Wan. Me and Lindsay will be watching Obi Wan. I am taking time off work 
to watch Obi-Wan, yada, 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 Obi-Wan's great. Let's get into some movie news, some TV news. There's a lot of shit Now breaking. that we can. I feel like for the past few months, we've been like, yeah, we can't really talk about anything. There's nothing to talk about. Well, and I just, I'm not interested in talking about, like, uh, Rumors um, and, Viggo yeah. Mortensen has been cast as a, as a Bantha Poodoo in Star Wars Bantha Poodoo, a story. It's like, no, okay, that's cool, great. Well, we don't have anything. So, one of the bit of news that we got was the long-hyped, me and Lindsay have often talked about, the Acolyte. Um, and there's been some news. Uh, we knew that the Acolyte takes place at the end of the High Republic era, but Vanity Fair confirms that the show will be roughly 100 years before the events of the Skywalker saga. Headland was particularly interested in charting the rise of the Sith in the shadows, how they hide in plain sight without attracting a Jedi's attention. In a quote, she said, A lot of those characters haven't even been born yet. We're talking or we're taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that came up in that time period and that we don't know much about. My question when watching the Phantom this Jesus the Phantom Menace was always like, well, how did those how did things get to this point? How do we get to the point where a Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment Lindsay. i keep saying every single time we talk about high republic like yeah all of this stuff is cool i really like the nile but this is all a distraction this is just a red herring i want to get to what's really important i want to get to why this all connects and not just from the jedi point of view i i this this is so so crucially the story that i wanted especially look let's take it back to rise of skywalker um even though, even though we don't get to continue our great discussion from our Duel of Fates episode tonight in lieu of this, maybe it does connect because one of the things that I personally really like about Rise of Skywalker and, and in reading uh, the, the ancillary material, like the visual dictionary, where they are talking about, um, man, I feel like I'm talking so fast because I'm so excited about this. Um, but, but in all of that, when they're talking about, um, you know, the, the Sith cult, and, and watching Rise of Skywalker, I kept saying over and over and over, and I still do, I want to learn more about this Sith cult. Like, what were they doing? Where did they come from? And in, in reading the ancillary material, it's, you know, more about the um, mis, what, what do they call it? Um, the misprophesized rule of two or, or something like that. But, but there's so many questions and things that I've been dying to know and it seems like this is really going to maybe not answer all of my questions, but at least lay the foundation. So I, I'm, I'm fucking jazzed, man, if you can't tell. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think one of the one of the like kind of biggest things about this is it's predominantly a female lead is like going to be the star of the role. With it being a hundred year set, where does that leave us? What is that like a hundred years before the Phantom Menace? Is that pre Palpatine? Are we going to see so, a young Palpatine? How does that fit? Because I know there are some people that think like Palpatine is older than um, he should be. I mean, like, are we getting Plagueis? Is this Plagueis's first apprentice? Uh, what what is that about? And when you talk about 
the secrets of the Sith because I I know that you know a lot more about Exegol than I do. I mean, I've I've read the Vader comics. Uh, they're hinting in the latest Luke Skywalker novel about going back. They've clearly doubled down on it. Do you think we're going to Exegol? Do you where? What do you think this story takes place? Is it is Palpatine involved? Is this pre-Palpatine? Is this Plagueis? I'm going to go to the Lady pre- of Lore with this because I think you I, have a huge base on it. I think it's pre-Palpatine. I do. Um, if they go to Exegol, I personally would love that. I would not be surprised by that. Maybe this is even where they do bring Mortis into the the you know live action stuff where it doesn't we we went over and over and over this last week when talking about duel of fates but what is considered inside baseball and i think mortis is considered inside baseball when it comes to star wars right now um this could be what propels it into more of that live action this i think would be a great way to do it um i i think it's pre-palpatine and the way i think of this is when they say a hundred years ago in fiction, I think we fall into this trap where we think, Oh my God, that's so long ago. There's no correlations. There's, you know, nothing. This, this is all going to be all new, yada, yada, yada. What Brandon, I think really rightfully so pointed out to me over on an episode of don't burn the sacred text is like a hundred years. If you think about it, isn't that far off in real life a hundred years ago it was just 1922 like some of our grandparents were were alive then you know and and i don't think it's so impossible to imagine what day-to-day life was like in 1922 because it's not like okay we're going back to prehistoric times where they were riding dinosaurs it's like no they had cars you know, they, they had credit cards, essentially. Like, they had all of the stuff that we have today. It just looks a little different. So I don't think going back 100 years is going to be completely jarring and totally new when you think about it in that sense. So to answer your question, I mean, I think we're going to see some connections. I think we're going to see a lot more connections to Phantom Menace than we originally might expect. I just do, I do think it is pre-Palpatine. I do not believe that Palpatine in, let me, let me make this difference. I do not believe that Sidious is older than Senator Palpatine was during Phantom Menace, if that makes sense. Do we have a confirmation on how old Palpatine was at the start of Phantom Menace? Because like, it's clear that he has stretched his life. And he is like, what, late fifties, early sixties in, in Phantom Menace. He's got to be, yeah. yeah. And and I mean, I know, like growing up, you know, there were so many things that are now considered legends in terms of books and and stories that took place around then. Um, but I don't think we ever really got it from like he is thirty two years old uh, or anything like that. The way we did, you know, Kenobi and Padme and all them. I could be wrong, but I just so don't, don't I got remember. a hot take. Okay, I love hot takes. I'm starting to think because I just okay. So I'm like on one spectrum. I'm okay with Star Wars expanding. Like the fact that we have Obi Wan versus Darth Vader, it's not breaking canon, but it's stretching canon. 
when when you look at the Obi Wan comments, you know, or the Vader comments, you know, when I when we last met, I was but the learner. Now I'm the master. Mm-hmm. It's stretching the comments a, a little bit, and Star Wars has been stretching it too. Like with the introduction of the Quisitors, it was heavily implied that Vader wiped out all of the Jedi himself. Now, does that fit in? Absolutely. Um, th- it was implied that the Jedi were completely wiped out, and Luke was the only one. We know that's not true now. Um, there's a lot of things that have been stretched for the better, in my opinion. One of the things about Plagueis that has not been talked about in canon is, you know, it used to be that Plagueis was immune, and that immune was from the banking clan, Hugo Damask. I don't want them to stretch whoever this lead character is. I don't want them to stretch that like, oh, she's like a tryout for the Sith or there's like two Sith and we're versing this and who's the master. I have a weird feeling that we might just, as much as I love the Darth Plagueis novel, it's my favorite Star Wars novel of all time. This is coming from that guy. I think that there is a possibility that there's been no confirmation that Plagueis is immune in the new canon. I think this lead actor might be Plagueis. And I think wow. Plagueis would be dope as a girl. Wow. How else do you do it? I mean, it's within a hundred years. So if this character, I mean, unless you're going to go the indie film route where the character, like say Darth Plagueis is training this character at the very end, they die. And it's like, Oh yeah, we've seen this horror genre or this indie film genre a million times where at the end of the, like the Ozark finale, all of our characters and, and, and the SOA finale and all this stuff where people just or the Sopranos. You could go that route, but I think that's no longer interesting. You really have to expand the canon. How else do you do that? You introduce a new master, and while you won't have Darth, uh, what is it, not Plagueis, uh, starts with a V, Venomous, Venomous. I think you can change that or keep him the same thing, but I think Darth Darth Plagueis might be a girl, because I don't see any other way around it. I mean, dude, I don't know what I was expecting you to say when you said you had a hot take, but it wasn't. <laughs> but I, I love it. Uh, you're, whoa, wow. But like, like when you think this. about it, and so we had talked about Xana and Bane and how they could change that timeline, and they still very could, or very well, well, actually they couldn't. That's been proven in the uh, Clashing Sabres Facebook chat. You guys should check that out. Um, what better way to teach Palpatine than, you know, like we talked about Bane maybe possibly being in there. If we're, if this is going to be leading into these events, it's going to be rel- relatively close. Yeah. And so we might potentially see a Palpatine or a next in line. Who is going to teach Palpatine the patience of being a political leader, of being a fierce warrior, the hate and the cunning? And when you look at the actress that is playing this lead role, she looks like she could have a patience or a mad anger. I can see it inside this actress. And she 
she looks like she could take that. We might. I, I'm. I'm thinking she, we might be seeing the the stages of Plagueis and not Palpatine, and we're looking at it all wrong. And I think Plagueis might be a girl. I'm. I'm starting I, to think that. I would absolutely love that. Uh, I think it would be so interesting, so compelling, such a good way to get new fans involved too. Because uh, because maybe if you have someone who really hated the the prequels you know and they're still just dead set on hating absolutely everything about episode one having this kind of change up where like hey yeah there there's a connection but even if you didn't like episode one if that wasn't your jam still come in for this you know you still might enjoy this i yeah i mean it gives me a ton to think about dude like it really it really does give me a lot to think about and take take pause in. I guess the the only kind of intelligent and comprehensible question I can think to ask you in return is what does make for a truly more interesting story at any given time? Is it here's Palpatine, here's this political genius, here is how he kind of came to be? Or is it a totally new character? Like, does does having Palpatine become more interesting and, and more drawn out, does that hurt or hinder the story? Because I would, as, as much as I would love to see Plagueis and see him be, you know, be a she and, and be this woman, as cool as that would be, even if she is just a, a young apprentice, how much, I guess this is the real question I'm asking, how much of pre-Phantom Menace setting up for this incredible galactic takeover, how much of it do we really want to be Palpatine and be like, oh my God, he was an, you know, Sidious was an absolute genius. And how much of it do we want to say, you know what, wasn't really all that great. The real, you know, mastermind here is this other person and Sidious just kind of came in towards the end. Well, I think there's a lot of ways you can go with it. I mean, technically, this could be about Plagueis learning from their master. Not, I mean, presumably Darth Viennemus. I don't think that. I think they'll create their own character for the the next in line below Plagueis. But since Plagueis is canon, you have to stick with it. So this could be very much about Plagueis's story, about the person who learned how to cheat death. I mean, when you look at that that quote alone, this person created the blueprint of what Palpatine thus then later exploited and expanded on. But learning how to achieve death is, or to achieve beyond death is still something in Star Wars. We don't quite understand how Palpatine really did any of that. We don't know that right now. We could learn that in this show if this character is Plagueis. And guys, I'm stretching. We're having fun. I'm telling you my thoughts. So, like, if it's a little bit crazy, bear with me. Have some fun. Sit down. Drink a beer. Relax. Um, But it could be the relationship of, you know, her, presumably Plagueis, learning from their master and learning this blueprint and discovering the blueprint that does create the best apprentice of all time. Uh, This could be uh, next in line before Plagueis. But one of the things about the Plagueis novel that they never get to when it comes to the quote is he was even 
able to save the ones he loved from dying. Whoa! And in and in yeah. that and in and and Palpatine kind of smirks at that. And so, what does Palpatine do in the prequel trilogy? He exploits Anakin's emotions, and he's always played on them like a like he's done it before. He's good at exploiting emotions and using them to his benefit. What if you know, and the the Plagueis novel Plagueis never has anyone he loves. He's got these weird science experiments. That's it. He's very yeah. stern, mathematical, political. He has a game plan. That's it. This guy never saved the ones he loved from dying. That's the only inaccuracy from the quote of Revenge of the Sith to the actual book. It makes no sense. It was never written in there. I don't care. It's one of my favorite books, but he never had ones he loved. What if this character, this girl, was a Sith Lord and had the same struggles as Anakin did? And was learning about these same struggles as a Sith Lord. And finally learned how to achieve stopping the ones he loved from dying. And used this hatred or this burning love for someone, this passion, to its fullest capability to stop the ones that they loved from dying. Oh wait, I just ruined it. He was even able to save the ones he loved from dying. That's a quote. Yeah, dude, this is this is pretty huge. And honestly, like the whole thinking that like, yeah, this Sith Lord, I, I never, ever, ever thought of it, to be honest. I never thought of that. Well, and I'm gonna get quote, attacked. And I'm so happy you brought it up. And I'm gonna get attacked for saying he said he was even able to save the ones he loved from dying. But Palpatine tells half half truths. So all of my point plots that I'm connecting could be wrong. And I'm not even adherent to the he word. So see, some people would say, well, he said he. He was even able to save the well, ones what he loved if, from dying. What if, well, what if he's stretching the truth to relate with Anakin? Because Anakin is a man trying to save his wife. What if he's like, huh, it wasn't a he, or I mean, it wasn't a she. It's not important. I'll say he, because any guy can relate with trying to save his wife from dying. What if it was a she, but she did learn how to stop that. And he would be kind of, he would, he would have understood that. And, and that would also be a compelling story. A a Sith Lord that goes down a dark path of full hatred and power just to stop the ones they loved or not even just along the way, learning this great power of, of being able to stop death through the power of the Sith and Palpatine, that later being passed down based on that. Well, what if what if this lead actress isn't Plagueis by any means? But what if she is the one Before. who he loved, and he was no? What if what if she's the one who he was trying to save? You know, he he loved her, and he related to Anakin in that way. But this is the the person who he was trying to stop from dying unsuccessfully. It very well could be. It's so close in the timeline that these words alone, and I text you and Brandon, and I said, I've heard everything I needed to hear about this show. I don't need to know anything else. It's about the Sith. It's 100 years later. And, you know, some of the little tiny ads that were added was, we actually use the term Renaissance or Age of Enlightenment. The Jedi uniforms are gold and white. It's almost like they yeah. would never get dirty. That's what I want. 
I want the Jedi to be blind, and I want the Sith to be being sneaky, and that's all I needed from this. It's just with the timeline, there's so many places you can go, and there's so many different write-arounds. You could write around that Palpatine lied saying it was a he, but it was actually she. This star of the show, the she, could be the um, apprentice to a new master, and she might potentially train Palpatine. I mean, it's to even go, or she could be training Plagueis that could eventually train Palpatine. There's so many ways to go about it, but it's fun to talk about. This Acolyte show is just, you can't get away from it because there's so many plot points. And I'll be honest, I think Plagueis as immune, cool as hell. But Plagueis as a badass woman showing Palpatine who the fuck is boss, that is sick. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be great. I'm just kind of in this discussion just because I love your your point of, you know, this is the part of the Plagueis story that was never really told and, and getting into the verbiage. I'm going to stick with, I think that oh, the the best kind of point of this is going to be, yeah, Plagueis setting up the the thought of and, and continuing to set up the thought of um, everything that comes to fruition in Phantom Menace. Um, hopefully not too much because I do love the idea that it's, it's really all Sidious's plan and he is the one who really took control. Uh, I don't want Sidious to just come into into play as someone else was wrapping up all of their plans and all of their machinations and Sidious just being like, I'm here now. I'll call dibs on this. Um, but, but I want to see the very, very, very early stages of that. I, I think that the best possible story for this though, would be this lead actress is Plagueis's love interest who he is not able to stop from dying. I mean, yeah. And I mean, so like, I guess, you know, join the Clashing Sabers Facebook group and tell us what you think. Do you think this this Acolyte series is going to be based around um, Plagueis and maybe a first apprentice that might not make it? Do you think that this character could be the character that learns from a different master and uh, actually eventually trains Plagueis? Um, because there's plenty of timelines and we all know Sith Lords, they don't last long. Like not in any story has a Sith Lord lasted for a very long time. So she very well could be the one that trains Plagueis. Is this Plagueis? And we see the foundations of the, the power to stop the ones you love from dying and the foundation blueprint of what would eventually lead to the greatest Sith Lord of all time, which is Palpatine. What do you guys think? Definitely let us know in the Clashing Sabers Facebook group or our Instagram under the Clashing Sabers or Sit Talk because I'm generally interested at what you guys listening actually think. In a little bit of news, we got that Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie might actually happen. We're learning some stuff. Um, talking to Variety after the aforementioned Doctor Strange sequel, Michael Wa Waldron notes that he is now setting his mind within a galaxy far, far away as he fully devotes his attention to his Star Wars script, which apparently will have no significant ties to existing projects. In a quote, Waldron says, We're finally into... We're finally in... 
into it in earnest. I mean, writing away. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying having the freedom to do something that's not necessarily a sequel or anything. It may be a little bit less of a, uh, it's just doesn't have a bunch of TV shows and movies that you're servicing on top of it the way I did with Dr. Strange. So it's nice. It feels different. It's a different exercise. So he's implying that it's not a sequel and it's unrelated to things. Um, what do you take away from these comments? How do you feel about them? Um, they are for me a little too early to dive into this is what it's going to be. Um, but I, I like the openness and the creativity that he seems to be excited about. I don't know exactly kind of what he has in mind or specifically what he, he could potentially be referring to. Uh, but I think if there's one thing he's been able to show time and time again, it's that he's able to take source material and turn it into essentially his own, you know, or, or give it, give the range over to people who will make it their own. Um, but he's, he's kind of an interesting creative mind because he does, he's never really strikes me as someone who is incredibly territorial over things. I think he's someone who's always just wanted to tell the best possible story in the best possible way. Instead of being like, you know, the Zack Snyder-esque of like, this is, this is my style. This is the way I'm telling the story. Like everything is going to point back to me. It's, it's, is it weird that when everybody mentions Zack Snyder, I I automatically put up walls of like defense to be like ready to like, start attacking you know i i was actually thinking of that and, and i was trying to find like a different example but, but you just can't because it's so I, fucking I convenient and that's it, like it's it's not necessarily about i'm not saying no, that I style is bad um you know what here i'll give i'll give a different example tarantino okay there we go it's, it's less triggered just, it's yeah it's it's not a bad thing and i think you know, people do do it great, whether it's Tarantino, Scorsese, like everyone has that style where you can look at something and point it back and be like, oh, this person was the director or this person was the producer, you know, Jerry Brockheimer or Michael Bay. They were the producers. Whereas Kevin Feige has never as a producer had that stamp where no matter what it is, you can point back and be like, oh, there's Kevin's. You know, it's it's really interesting. So it's hard to say exactly what this could potentially look like. Because uh, even like Taika Waititi, for as a, you know, I absolutely love him. He's someone who's very stylistic, and he's mm-hmm. someone who, when when it's a Taika film, you can point to it, whether it's it's Thor or whether it's Jojo Rabbit. Like there's a a certain style and sense of humor to it that you know is his, and you can start to imagine a little bit of what you're getting. Whereas this is really and truly anything's possible. Yeah, and I think like a little bit of backstory is. You know, for Kevin Feige, he is obviously the godfather next to Stanley when it comes to Marvel. He changed film, he changed comics. He is the greatest film producer of all time, undisputably. You can't dispute it. Kathleen Kennedy is a close one. Like, as much as I say what I say, she's a legend. She'll be in the Hall of Fame. If there were a Hall of Fame, she would be. Kevin Feige's the king, the reigning king. Nobody has had a better career. And that is due to the MCU. That's what he's done. But a lot of people forget, and if you look at old articles, and if you really dive into this man, Star Wars was his Marvel before Marvel was his Marvel. 
this is a passion project. And I don't think Kevin Feige is going to play it safe. And I think the biggest thing out of this is, one, it's happening, which, duh, it it should. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy should not be running, you know, chasing away the biggest film producer of all time. And it makes sense. But the biggest thing I love is it's not necessarily a sequel or anything. It maybe has a little bit less, it just doesn't have a bunch of TV shows. And I love that it's not a sequel of anything because I need Star Wars to desperately break away from what we're doing. I think that the exciting thing about the TV shows, especially Obi-Wan, is it is within the timeline, but we've essentially exploited a lot of these 80 years. And I'm having a great time when it comes to TV. These 80 years of Star Wars timeline has been fucking great. Let's go in the future. Let's go in the past. And I hate to be a broken record, but if this is the show before celebration, I think we're going to find out that Kevin Feige is producing a Old Republic movie. Because Kathleen Kennedy has even made comments in the recent coming days that she would love to have him, she would love to have a filmmaker with the vision of what Kevin Feige produces. She's looking for that kind of ground. And you don't look for that kind of ground unless you're trying to plant your seed into something. Stake your flag into the ground. And I think Kevin Feige, and I I hate to say it because I feel dirty, I think he's doing an Old Republic. I think he is getting into the Old Republic. I am going to hold my tongue on anything because, again, I, I just think it's too early to tell. No, I think he's going to say it at Celebration. I think he's showing up at Celebration. I think whatever it is, I think he is going to say it at Celebration. That I think you're right about. What it is, who knows? Well, I mean, it's 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 wine cooler time. I mean, so whether I'm wrong or right, I don't really care. I'm just going to tell you based on what I've been thinking about. I that's I'm sorry, my bl- did, that- instead of water cooler, did you just call this wine cooler time? Yeah, wine cooler. Why not? All right. I love it. Yeah, wine cooler time. We, we got the what? <laughs> right, Cabernet. I, just, I don't really drink. Just, uh, just checking. <laughs> the Coors Light cooler. Seagrams. Yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so I, I think he's going to come out with a. I, I think he's going to reveal that he's doing the Old Republic, and that's my guess when it comes to Kevin Feige's movie and celebration. I think he's going to walk out on stage and talk about it. I could be wrong. I have no viable um, evidence to it, but For I'm going to put a wild as card. Your- as your friend who loves and respects you and wants nothing but the best for you, for you, I hope you're right. Yeah, but as a Star Wars fan, I would love that too. I don't necessarily need it because um, I'm I'm just so curious as to what it could potentially be, and if it is something totally new, totally fresh, totally original, I would love that. Um, look, so I'm- but but I mean, look, I'm gonna love anything he does if it's Old Republic, great for you who who loves that era and loves. Good for you, know. you Zach. <laughs> you do you. You do boy. you. No, you listen. I, I hope you're a good person. You deserve this. And I come from South Bend, Indiana, and that is Notre Dame. And there is a legacy of football that is huge around this time. And every year, Notre Dame fans across the world, you don't have to be from here to know this, that Notre Dame fans every year, ESPN says, no, Notre Dame might do it this year. We never do. But <laughs> <The> Midwestern accent. <laughs> that's how I feel 
about the Old Republic. So I will sit on my fucking porch and pregame and just wait for this thing. I will beat this dead horse into the ground that Notre Dame is going to the championship and that the Old Republic is going to happen. And that's what I'm putting my flag down. I don't care. Do you have, before we close this episode, there's so much more movie stuff that we didn't even get to because we were so boner happy on uh, the Acolyte and Plagueis. And um, Do you have any celebration? Before we close this episode, do you have any celebration um, opinions, wild card um, per- projections? Like, what do you think is going to happen? What's your wildest? What do you think what is the biggest thing? Is, I mean, I, I thought you were going to say want, and it's funny because I feel like a lot of this athlete stuff is, is want, hot want, take, think, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Don't I care. think I've been pretty vocal for a while that my biggest want is more information on athletes. It's not like I think we're going to get, you know, sizzle reel, um, but, but some kind of clarification, more information. Wild card, man. I don't know. I feel like if you can guess a wild card, it wasn't that much of a wild card uh, to begin with. Um, only, only because like some of the true wild card stuff that have happened to me at at celebration were true wild cards. You know, it was Vader Immortal was was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Jedi Fallen Order was was truly a big one. Not, I think we all kind of knew the game was coming, but but not to that extent. Uh, I think Fallen Order is still one of the the coolest stories that we have. Um, uh, a lot of the Galaxy's Edge stuff, like those, were all wild cards, mm-hmm. and and I think and me you meeting you was a wild card. Yeah, that's it's true. But I think if you can start to guess like what a wild card is, it's it's probably not that wild of a card. Um, what I would love, though, is, is more information on where gaming is going. I think that's kind of a um, an art that has fallen to the wayside in recent years, and I would love to see that. And, and this is coming from someone who's not even necessarily that big of a gamer, uh, but I've always found them interesting and, and fun enough that I would like to see a little bit more in, in terms of that. Look at you being level-headed and me just being like so <laughs> wild with my shit today. You know, I want to I want to thank our listeners at Sith Talk for dealing with the audacity of a bitch (laughs) named Zach Chrisman, because sometimes (laughs) I really pull your heartstrings and sometimes I come out with some wild shit. But I'm telling you, Taika Waititi or Kevin Feige are writing an Old Republic series. I think it's going to happen. We've talked about it. It's been on Lucasfilm's radar with Betty Weiss for years now at this point. It's been years. They've wanted to do it. It's on their radar. They have left it alone. And Kevin Feige is a man of control. He wants to control his universe. He wants to control his area. And with Star Wars, the only way to do that is to jump to a new timeline. I think this man wants to expand, and he wants to innovate Star Wars. So that's my hot take. And if I'm right, you can all send me, you can Venmo me, or my wife's Venmo, six (laughs) packs of beer digitally, because I will be right. And I will be confirmed. That is my goal. But I definitely think, like, when you add to gaming, um, I definitely think we're going to be getting, at, at the very least, speaking of the Old Republic, there is that remake that is still happening, and it's supposed to be out next year. I think we're going to get some pictures of that for sure. Oh, that'd be cool. A lot of people are sleeping on that. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. 
I honestly think we'll get we'll get a good amount of like sizzle reels and, and behind the scenes stuff for things that we were not aware of just how far into development they might be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, guys, I will say it is an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan and you know, I really appreciate you guys all sticking around and listening to us talk about Duel of Fates, talking about the Obi-Wan show. I can't wait to talk with all of you guys about it and hear everything you guys are thinking, everything you guys are saying. It's been so much fun speculating, talking about wild things. Um, specifically with the Acolyte, it's so much fun having this um, emotional sense with Obi-Wan while also getting to kind of drink the Kool-Aid with the Acolyte. It's a fun time to be a Star Wars fan. And whether you disagree or agree with the show and our opinions, we are so close to celebration. And I hope each and every one of you, especially the ones that are going, and if you're not and you're just going to watch it, you know, live streaming like me and Lindsay are, um, let's get excited. Like, come on, guys. Like, if you're listening right now, Put that fucking smile on your face and get ready because we haven't had a celebration in like three years. Three years. We met 2019? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, 2019. We haven't had a celebration in three years and there has been so much confirmed but yet nothing nothing in the film-wise. And it is so exciting to be a Star Wars fan when you look at the comic books, the High Republic, everything they've done in the last three years and what they're leading to and what we're getting at by the end of this the, the films, the comics, the TV, there's something in there for everyone. So this episode was all about having fun and just enjoying that speculation side. And I appreciate you guys all sticking along with us. And it's always so much fun to talk to you, Lindsay. I mean, I, I look forward to it all the time. I wish we could have been to celebration together, hanging out, but we'll just have to reconvene at a later date. We will. So, guys, with that being said, that's the show. Um, where can you find Sit Talk? Well, it's easy. You can find Sit Talk at Instagram uh, under Sit Talk. You can find Clashing Sabers under the Clashing Sabers Instagram feed. You can reach out to us during our via our Facebook group under the Clashing Sabers Facebook group. Uh, you can find Sit Talk if you randomly stumbled along us. I don't know if you search Star Wars podcast or whatever. You can find the full show under clashing sabers um podcast feed and you can find me at sit talker 25 talking all things star wars comic books spartan race and um you know barbecue Lindsay, where can they find you and tell us more about what we do at clashing sabers yeah so best place to find me is actually going to be over on our facebook group clashing sabers network uh and please 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 because now i'm so interested in this and you really have my head spinning um head over to Facebook, tag me, tag me, tag Zach, you know, let us know. Do you think this main character in the Acolyte is more likely to be a female Plagueis or Plagueis' love interest? Um, So definitely let's, let's continue that conversation. I want to hear from everyone what they think. Um, But look, really and truly what, what we would love more than anything is instead of just to follow on social media, is to get involved with our, our nonprofit work. Uh, Clashing Sabers Network, aside from being a podcast network, we are first and foremost a nonprofit organization. And our goal is to help get more books into school libraries and classrooms all across the country. Uh, Zach and I were so fortunate to grow up in 
areas and schools where we had books so easily accessible to us. And specifically, we had Star Wars books. And that really helped shape us and the rest of the Clashing Sabers team into the adults that we grew up to be, is by reading these stories, understanding these characters and their virtues and their principles. We want to make sure that children all across the country have that. Um, so please join us on Patreon. Uh, every single dollar goes to our nonprofit work and actually funding these these schools and these projects. Um, if you if you can't make monetary donations, help us out even more. Uh, recommend any teachers or any schools that you know of that could use some of these resources. Again, every single dollar goes to getting more books into the hands of uh, schools and uh, different classrooms. So we appreciate any kind of um, help you can give us, any kind of additional support, or even just sharing on your own social media what our what our real mission is about. And with that being said, guys, when it comes to celebration, remember, eat a salad, take a shower, and get ready to have a good mood. <laughs> because celebration <laughs> is none of that because it is a crazy time. But guys, with that being said, may the force be with you. Always. Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're going to venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.